Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 10. Today we're going to be talking about the E-League Premier. We're going to be talking about the recent minor qualifiers and we'll have a Toxic Play of the Week and a new segment, the Round of the Week. Let's get into it. First up, a little bit of housekeeping. Apologies if the sound quality this week isn't up to scratch. I've got a new microphone. I've moved house. There's things in boxes. I know it's been a little while since the last step. I'm uh, just trying to get this out there. My loyal listeners, my loyal fans. Uh, <laughs> shouts to Bryce Patrick, who recently got in touch via the emails. Bryce has just gotten back into CS, in his words, after years of 1.6 and now he says he's got the bug back. My poor spouse, he says. And this is actually uh, a bit of a phenom that I've noticed. People in their 30s getting the bug back after having not played since 1.6. I assume Bryce is in his 30s, maybe his late 20s. But uh, I gave Bryce a little bit of advice. And if you're in the same boat, uh, it might be relevant to you as well. Here's what you tell the spouse, the old ball and chain. Hey, the better half. Here's what you tell them. In this atomized day and age, my love, where people are fake on social media, where they portray their lives as fantastic, where the lies are driving everyone apart, where I'm just feeling more and more alienated day in and day out from my colleagues. I just want some teamwork. I just want to play in a team with other men because that's how we used to hunt in groups. And I need that connection to biological urge it's a masculine thing. You wouldn't understand it. And uh, it's worked for me in the past. And maybe it'll work for you. Now, as look, as tongue-in-cheek as uh, I say this, I actually believe it. Um, and I think if you're in um, the industry I'm in, which entails quite a lot of working on your own, um, it's, it's a real thing. I've recently gotten back into playing uh, soccer, futsal actually, I have to, after having not really played any team sports since school, and shit, you need it. We do need it, um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's particular to men, to be honest. Uh, women need to be in groups as well. It's a human thing, but uh, if you're having trouble with the old spouse, give her that line um, and believe it, because I think it's true. Now, we're just gonna have a few little uh, stories here before we get into the main shank of this episode, which is of course uh, the E League premiere. But first up, the Dust 2 beat has arrived in the last month since the last ep. Um, it's here. I haven't actually played it. I've been moving house. Um, looks like a more detailed reskin of Dust 2. I was never a huge fan of Dust 2. In fact, I haven't had it on my uh, <coughs> competitive preferences for a long time now. Um, so I'm not, not that excited about it. But if, you, if you're into it uh, and you think there's a big difference, let me know. I will play it. Um, I'm sure in the next month or two. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is the something to work with expression. If you are a regular listener of pro counter sports, counter sports, esports, counter strike, you might recognize this as Henry G's go to phrase. Uh, for instance, uh, Faze have uh, a couple of pistols now, uh, armor, an ump, something to work with here, Matt. He basically uses it every 
paragraph. He uses it as a team that has something to work with, as we now have something to work with because a team has more rounds on the board and there's an actual game going on. It's basically his backup phrase. And I've actually, now that I've become conscious of it, I've noticed it sort of permeating CSGO from within like an infection. Um, some of the lesser commentators have been using it on the Tier 2, Tier 3 matches. And I, in fact, noticed it on HLTV who've been using it in their match rundowns as well, just the, just the typed summaries, you know. Uh, Kingwin got won the extra round and were able to buy an orb, which gave them something to work with, etc. So <clears throat> what I would like to do in this little segment is just propose a few alternative ways of saying this particular phrase. But maybe, look, maybe if you're friends with Henry G, if you're actually listening to this, Hank, um, you're my favourite caster. That's right. you my number one oversaticist. Um, have a go at some of these. You know, I love uh, something to work with, something to work with here, lads, but I think it's time to diversify. So here's a couple of uh, alternate phrases I've come up with. Something they can use, something they can put to use, stuff they can utilise, things that can help them, assets they might be able to leverage in the coming fight, positive resources they can exploit, commodities they can avail themselves of, equipment they can operate, and finally, goods and or services this team have the option to implement, draw on or bring into play should they require or desire. Um, if you're curious as to hear what that would sound like in an actual match. <clears throat> Having won the last round, FaZe now have a couple of pistols, armor and an omp, which gives them goods and or services that give them the option to implement, draw on or bring into play should they require or desire. See, it just kind of rolls off the tongue, Hank. Uh, so give that one a go. Next grand finals. Um, I'll be listening for it and I'll be very disappointed if you resort to the old something to work with. Let's move on to the E-League premiere. <clears throat> we had the semi-finals. I'm not going to cover the whole playoffs here. I've done that in previous podcasts, and and let's be honest, this match was, uh, well, this tournament was almost a week ago now. You're all uh, probably over it. You watched it. You read the clips. Uh, you, you watched the clips <clears throat> on Twitch, or you read the uh, threads on Reddit. But there's a few things to talk about, which I think need uh, addressing. Cloud Nine first up in the semi-finals. Some great form. Beat G2 2-0. Of course they did. Now, even though they lost to Liquid, I still stand by the fact, my assertion, that they're a better team than Liquid and I think they will overtake Liquid as a top-tier NA team. But I neglected to mention that Tarek is actually the leader right now, the IGL of that team. But let's be honest here. Let's be honest. Stewie2K is the heart and soul of that team. And if they get to a major, it's going to be because... Mr. 2K steps the F up. Uh, I think this was a good showing for Cloud9, even though Liquid beat them. Obviously, Liquid are on a good run right now. They've got some sort of confidence behind them. But uh, I still stand behind the fact that they don't really have a, a cohesion and identity. Um, they've got this weird sort of gasping, wheezing form, uh, uh, sort of half-corpse in the form of Stanislaw. Obviously, the guy has some amazing plays. But have some absolute silver plays sometimes. Um, could it be that Elige perhaps eventually s replaces Rush on Cloud9? That's a possibility. I don't think it's a necessity. I still think Cloud9 are heading for the stars. 
so let's just go straight to the finals here, which was obviously Astralis versus FaZe. First up, Anders and Semla were casting this together, and I thought that they weren't going to cast anymore. I guess the money was too good, or maybe they'd booked this um, gig before they decided to part ways. Anyway, I sort of had a warm feeling of confusion the way you might uh, if you were a child and your parents were divorced and you saw them out having a coffee. Uh, it's a weird analogy, but that's the closest I can come up with. Map one was Cash. This was the best of three. Phase won it to nil, but Cash was one of the most enjoyable games I have watched all year. At first, it seemed like the structure of Astralis was tight enough to repel, to repel Phase. Uh, they were there for the trades. They anticipating they were anticipating where they pushed. Um, and it looked like Glaive had sort of anti-stratted pretty hard. He'd done his homework. And they were finding the flanks before Phase could sort of make them work. And they didn't seem to be intimidated at all. They were calm. They were collected. Um, they didn't hold back pushing and counter-pushing. So the first half went 12 to 3 via Astralis. Um, and Astralis just totally read Phase's T side here. But had absolutely SFA when it came to their CT side. Phase proceeded to come back and win the map 16-14. Absolutely insane return. So whether or not Astralis didn't have a good T side or Phase's uh, CT side was too strong is probably up for debate. But I would posit that Phase's CT side was just so insanely strong. No matter what Astralis did, they sort of couldn't be beaten. And I didn't feel like FaZe were particularly anti-stratting them. Uh, I've seen Astralis have better T-sides than this, but I didn't really feel like FaZe had read them that well. And actually, I think one of the real sort of wild cards in this matchup was Carrigan. Now, Carrigan now that he's got these sort of insane players all around him, seems to have just like freed up every sphincter in the man's damn body. He's like a real fragging presence right now. I think he uh, he might have been top top fragger in the, in, the, in the second half of this. I'm not sure. But basically he's sort of quite an unknown quantity now. He can kind of do whatever he wants. You see him switching basically almost every, um, almost every round. He's like the get-right of this team right now. Um, he had a great hold on A-site with a FAMAS of all guns. And it's almost as if like the pressure is off him now to be a fragger. So he can do whatever he likes. And Carrigan has been showing up. Well, he showed up through this whole series, to be honest, and through the whole um, E-League competition. So that's like... Uh, if, if I was playing against FaZe, I'd be like, well, you've got Olaf, you've got Guardian, you've got Nico, you've got Rain. And do you really have to have Carrigan as well? Like, it's insult to injury, really. Um, I think the, the real round here that, that, that brought things around was round 20 on uh, with Rain, who clutched with one HP and a 3K. And I feel like that's when, if you're Astralis, you're just like, I don't know, I'd be crying. I'd be holding back the tears like it was the first day of school. Um and I think they really lost their confidence from now on, um, from, from, from then on. Map two was Overpass, and Overpass is traditionally one of Astralis's best maps. But FaZe right now are just looking in, unbeatable with it. Um, yeah, Astralis was kind of reading their boosts very early on. 
Um, they'd obviously done their research on FaZe and where they'd, you know, stick up. The FaZe had a really interesting three-man boost on the pistol round on B. Um, but then how do, you, how, do you, how do you beat Nico when he's playing pillar on B site? How are you supposed to anti-strat that? You can't. Him playing that with any sort of gun is firstly like almost impossible to beat because he'll just dance around it until you're all dead. And secondly, Olaf playing that with an orb, as we've seen more than once now in more than one tournament, is just one of the most bizarre but amazing sights. Like, okay, we've seen Guardian do that obviously to some great effect. But now Olaf just decides to do it, like on top of being an amazing rifler. I think Olaf's actually quite an underrated AWPer. Anytime he gets it out, I think he's been getting it on, on Inferno as well recently with FaZe, he dominates with it. It's like what, what Guardian wasn't enough for you. <laughs> so anyway, uh, round three of this cash, Nico survived with one HP. I'm just reading my notes here. Uh, round eight, Olaf on B with AWP. Rain's aggression on A on the CT side was amazing. They go up 12-3 on the first half. Same as Australis' lead on cash. And then, now I don't know if, if you experienced the same thing. If you were in America, perhaps you are watching this on TBS. Then my stream cut out before the very last round. Actually, my stream was cutting out through the whole thing and I was toggling between YouTube and Twitch. But just before the very last round, both of them cut out. So when I come back on, Carrigan's holding up the damn trophy. Um, now, look, uh, a lot of people are excusing TBS and E-League because they're concentrating on the, uh, on, the, on the live TV stream, the live TV feed. I don't know. I don't know where the metrics are with this. I don't know where the, where the cost analysis is. I'd love to see the numbers of who watched the actual TV feed. Um, anyway, FaZe went on to win 16-0, uh, 16-7. And, of course, this now really raises the question, have FaZe actually broken CSGO? Um, and I don't think we can definitively say yes right now. I think time will tell. It looks like they have right now. And I think for the foreseeable future, they're probably intimidating enough that they, they effectively have um, – I felt like Australis were really intimidated by the second half of this. And I don't buy into uh, Australis being sort of as watertight as everyone says, uh, as mechanical and sort of less prone to mistakes. I think they actually constantly uh, screwed up in this, in this match. Um, and, 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 and I feel like they've actually had quite a shaky mentality since the major, since um, they sort of destroyed the ultimate Gorgon of SK and then were beaten by Big, I think, or Gambit? No, Gambit. Um, so the question, really the only uh, sort of person standing in the way of or, or team standing in the way of FaZe just pooping on the whole game itself is SK. Um, and I think even though SK has also had some crazy ups and downs recently, I think that's one team who are not going to be intimidated by FaZe. I don't think the Brazilians give a shit when it comes down to it. Um, they have some sort of crazy confidence and uh, FaZe are yet to beat them in a best of three, or Carrigan is at least. Um, so the Bucks, all the money's still out on it. Um, 
And, you know, I, I've, I've said before on the podcast, FaZe are my favorite team. And although it is a little harder to barrack for them as the underdogs anymore, it's it's been a really lovely surprise to see Carrigan sort of get to where he'd been trying to get to, um, especially against his old, his ex-teammates. Um, and, and, and I have to say, it's really enjoyable to have this sort of wild card now in the midst of the other teams, it's like a cat amongst the pigeons. And uh, I can't wait for some more sort of eight-man, eight-team tournaments where they're going to be involved because it, uh, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the stomping of other teams is going to get old, but for now, it's pretty fun. So let's move on. Um, oh, no, just one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but at the end of the stream, so if you're online, Instead of the, the regular content by E-League, you got treated to uh, DDK and James Bardolph sitting in a room <laughs> with some Cheez-Its posters behind them trying to just chat about the game. And, look, I didn't watch it throughout the game, but at the very end I watched the last, you know, five-minute you know, wrap-up from them. And they looked like they just had an argument. And Bardolph said, and I quote, "'Hopefully next time we can commentate the finals.'" And DDK said, well, who wouldn't want to commentate the finals? And Bardolph said, apparently you. And he looked shitty. He wouldn't even look DDK in the eye. So something's happened between those two. Anderson and Semler have broken up. Well, apparently after this, I guess, after this tournament. Uh, Henry G and Sadekist uh, are on the rocks, are going to have a break, as we heard on the eSports podcast recently. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Uh, and now Trouble in Paradise with what Reddit likes to call uh, DDK and Black DDK or James Bardolph and White James Bardolph. Um, I don't understand the, uh, the the comments about these two. I think Bardolph's actually one of the greatest commentators we have. I think his turn of phrase is... Uh, it's just awesome. I forget which match it was. I think it was maybe a fanatic match where maybe Flusher or Get Right threw a molly into apps on um, where was it? A site Inferno. Bardolph was like, "It's a Sunday roast. Everybody's burning. <laughs> Let's get the potatoes and veggies out." I think he's good. I don't know if he comes up with them before the before the broadcast or not, but he's always entertaining. Anyway, remains to be seen what happens with that duo. Let's move on. Now, I've had a lot of content that's arisen in the last few days with the minor qualifiers. <clears throat> but let me just back up a bit because I am supremely confused right now by what's going on in the pro scene. Now, I was going to do a little bit about VP, how Pasha stepped in as VP's IGL. Um, and I was looking at the next 24 hours, actually, where we see VP facing off against G2, Team 5, in ECS. And then I was like, hold on, what the fuck is ECS? Now, I don't know. I, I can't be the only one who finds HLTV absolutely just bonkers incomprehensible because there's so many matches going on all the time and there's so many different competitions and there's so many regional competitions that I don't know, you know whether they're important or not. But apparently ECS is its own thing entirely. It's separate from the minor qualifiers. It's separate from E-League. It's separate from ESL. It actually stands for the Esports Championship Series. It's organized by Faceit and YouTube. Apparently, it's a thing. I don't know. 
um, let's just forget it all for the moment uh, and talk the major right now. I think I'm going to have to leave that VP thing until they've actually, you know, we've seen how they do. I didn't really understand why Pasha would become the IGL, but hey, if it's going to stop them from breaking up for another six months, <laughs> then good. So be it, bring it on. Uh, I, I never want them to break up. Um, so let's move on to these to the major and the qualifiers that have been happening right now. Uh, unless you've been following a specific region, it's kind of mind melting. Um, how many matches, how many teams, where the qualifiers are happening. There have been some people who've done some really helpful flow charts, posted them on Reddit. Still confuses the hell out of me. Anyway, if you've been living under a rock, the major has been announced for January 19th to the 28th in Boston. 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 Hopefully the Affleck brothers won't be there. Uh, it's going to have 16 teams. Eight of those teams are already determined. They're the legends from last year. The other eight will be determined by a 16-man, a 16-team playoff called the Major Qualifier. That's going to happen the week prior. And out of those 16, they're made up of the bottom eight from last year, plus two from the Americas, two from Asia, two from CIS, and two from Europe. And to get those regional spots, you've had to go through an open qualifier with, you know, a shit ton of teams. NA had 98, EU had 382. So they went down to 16, then down to eight, and then two. Trying to work out. I was trying to work out how many maps you would have to win if you were an unknown team in the EU Open. Like, if you went from absolute unknown five-man mixed team to winning the major, how many maps would you ha- have to actually win? That's what I would like to know. Like, at minimum, if anyone's out there and can do the math for me, or the maths, depending on where you are from in the world, uh, let me know because I just cannot work it out. Uh, it looked like Kingwin only won four to get them a spot in the minor offline qualifiers and then maybe, who was it, Uh, Immortals maybe had to play like six or something or I don't know. I've confused myself just trying to work out the most basic maths for one of the teams just through HLTV. Um, So if you know, let me know. I'd be really interested to know if you're nobody, how how many games do you actually have to win? Um, so there's been a lot of hacking bans as well. Been a bit of a scandal with Sevo, um, who are the guys who've been running some of these minor qualifiers. Um, and they issued a statement recently that said that they only ban what's been picked up by their anti-cheat system. Now, I guess some of the some of the scandal has come about because players have been banned either sort of a few matches into the qualifiers or like on the fifteenth round of a map. Um, But this seems to be the result of the fact that their cheat system sometimes isn't quite sure whether it's got enough to actually just convict someone. So it flags them and then a moderator has to come in, check out the evidence and then make the call. So the CVO statement was quite sort of confusing and contradictory. The truth is somewhere sort of in between. There is an account review process the software picks up a bunch of stuff and then a staff member reviews it and says yes or no. So the delay on calling these cheats is a result of man and machine working together. Um, beyond that, the drama just sort of escapes me. What you need to know about these minor qualifiers and the big story really is that NIP have bowed out after losing to Pride and Team 5. Who, you might ask? 
Exactly. This is the same NIP who beat Big 16-0 only days earlier, which of course raises the question, how did Big get so far in the major? Uh, one Reddit user said that there was, if there's no Big, if there's no bug, there's no Big. Was Big just exploiting the jump bug to get into the major? Uh, it's a good question. Anyway, back to NIP. Now, NIP, this is the third major they failed to qualify for. Um, and Team 5 who beat them is the same Team 5 who Optic and God sent beat the same day or the day before, 16-1 and 16-0 respectively. Now, I didn't watch these matches. I might need to go back and watch them. Uh, I'm not sure I have enough stiff whiskey to stand uh, to withstand them right now. Uh, but apparently Cash was Pride's best map. They'd already taken two victories on it in the minor qualifier. We all saw how good Nip was on Cash during the ESO one Cologne, but there's a lot of talk on Reddit that lays the blame at the feet of Exist for this bad veto. Uh, has Exist ever been uh, good at map picking? Apparently not. Apparently since 2013, Exist has been trash at picking map vetoes. I wouldn't know. Uh, but that's the opinion of various Redditors. Uh, what's 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 there to be done at this point to save Nip? If can Nip be saved? Um, some are proposing that they get mashed together with Fnatic. Um, get right seems out of ideas. He took to Twitter saying this is soul crushing. Don't really have any words, which I always finds a funny funny expression. You've actually just used words, but anyway, from what I can tell, Nip's strats they're just kind of a bit shit, aren't they? I haven't really seen much of them since Cologne, but it was kind of unbelievable how far they got. Uh, in Cologne with such shitty strats and, and granted they basically played the same map cash the whole time but even on cash I was like yeah, how how are you winning these maps like uh, the calls were shitty the rotates were shitty the mid round calls were kind of shitty um, now uh, there's some of the irony involved in, the, in, in them being knocked out obviously that Freiburg's optic have made it through the NA, NA qualifier and I think I think this, you know, look, what we're seeing here, the actual results of an actual shake-up, like an actual new chapter in someone's career and what it can do. I always, turn, I always kind of tend to think of things in a narrative way and what NIP feels like to me is, um, <laughs> it's like if you, you, you can compare it to the Rocky series, right? Rocky won, obviously, one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, and then they kind of get progressively worse. Rocky three was quite good, but... Downhill, basically, bit of you know, there's like a bit of an uptake in Rocky Three, and then downhill, progressively worse. Then there's a, there's then there's a hiatus, right? A 16 year break. Um, Stallone goes off, does a bunch of crap movies, has a bunch of um, steroids or whatever HGH injected into his toes. Um, you know, gets caught looking at co-ed porn or something. Um, then he decides to come back with Rocky Six, Rocky Balboa. Right, 16 years older. He's got something to prove. Right, this is a, a news story of a guy who's n hasn't even boxed for, for for 16 years. It's it's actual actually a new take for the first time since the first movie. Breathe new life into the franchise. Right, great movie. And then Creed comes along, new director, new star, and Rocky's repositioned as the mentor. Right, this is Creed's probably the best movie since Rocky One. Let's be honest. So maybe Get Right and Forrest actually need to recast themselves, not as the star players or backbones or major threats, but as the wise, calm, support players who've seen it all, a.k.a. Adam Freiberg in Optic. Now, yeah, okay, Resin Draken was supposed to be the hot and young and the new guys, 
but the team still has a majority of old guys. It's like it's like a it's like a new team by token only. Like what voting rights do these guys have? It's two versus three. So whether they uh, change the map pool to reflect the new guys or not, as we've discussed in, uh, on this podcast before, the old guys still have more weight and therefore more presence on the team. So I think whatever needs to happen now with NIP has to be a move that makes these old guys feel valuable, right? Because you get to this level, their their age, their level, their amount of experience, um, the the weight of what they've what they've earned and what they've won, and you kind of want to use what you've got. If you don't use what you've got, if you don't feel valued, you don't feel happy. Um, and one of the solutions may be playing on a team with a bunch of dis- disparate parts, as Freiburg is, and using your experience. Um, to bring those parts together. It could be coaching. It might be starting a new team completely or an organization or academy. It might actually be entering an already established team and having to adapt to them and feeling valued and feeling a sense of um, reward and feedback through that adaptation because you're that good that you can sort of slot into anyone and also feeling the value that you get from being bought by them for something that you can bring to the table. Um what do these guys have to prove at NIP anymore? Nothing. They've kind of won it all and they've had a comeback. And we all have to have something to prove, something to work towards and some new chapter that we write. Um, you can't just keep writing the same chapter. So I think the solution wasn't to bring in two new players. That didn't make sense to me. That's just like um, writing an epilogue to a chapter. Uh, it's not like actually starting a new story or a new book. Um, so I think poor old Get Right's going to s- remain sort of speechless and, and uh, what was he? Soul crushed until he actually turns the page and uh, writes a new chapter at the top of that page. Um, finally, now we just mentioned uh, Pride who beat – NIP. If you're near a computer, go to Google and search for the player Reitz from Pride. That's R-E-A-T-Z, R-E-A-T-Z from Pride. And I'm telling you, this is why Bialy is so mysterious. Look at the man. Look at the images. Go to Google Images and look at him. It's the same person as Bialy. His name is also even Pavel. Uh, so we've, we've, uh, I feel like I've cracked why VP's going through this slump. Viali is currently playing for Pride and VP. No wonder there's tension in the team. Like, seriously, if, you, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast in the car, pull a car over, get up the Google, put his name in R-E-A-T-Z from Pride CSGO and tell me that is not the same person. Look at him. It's Viali. He's a fucking shapeshifter. All right. So we're going to move on to uh, a new section here. This is called Round of the Week. Obviously, this podcast hasn't been out for a month, so it's round of the month, but who's counting? And this goes to <clears throat> a game that was played in the Epicenter CIS Upper Bracket Final, and it was between Vega and... Ah, oh, who was the other team? I didn't even write it down. What a fool. Anyway, it was uh, 14-14. Vega was on the T side, right? Some mirage. I'm sure you can find it by with the amount of information I've given you. Anyway, what it was was a very, very basic T-side strat on Mirage that I'd never seen done as cleanly. So two were sitting in Palace with the bomb, right, not showing their faces. 
One was B apps and two were B sort of just outside kitchen above stairs to lowers. Um, what they did was throw a bunch of mollies, smokes and flashes into B and the apps player pushed out. Oh, no, they were against Navi. Yeah, okay. So so Navi begin rotating over to B, right, because you've seen three lots of smokes and, and uh, mollies and flashes come in. As they do, two players who are at the top of stairs push out uh, uh, sorry, two players. The two players push out Palace, right? Which means that they make two frags on the people who are rotating. Meanwhile, the two kitchen players push unders, and then they both pin to the site that way. Like the most basic cheese cheese strat possible, right? The only difference is here that um, mid is completely open and A main is completely open. But the reason those are okay to be open is that the first twenty seconds of the round. The uh, Vega players spent kind of watching those areas and making a bit of noise in those areas. So you're not wasting anybody in mid. You're not wasting anybody in A main. Everybody's set up to trade everyone else. And the B apps player, as he did in this round, got killed. But that's fine. He caused the entire team to rotate. Check it out if you if you are interested in looking for a strat for your new team. I think Bryce Patrick, uh, who got in touch with me, has a team that he's trying to get together. Could be a good one to check out as a very basic strat if you're starting out with putting a team together. Let's move on to the Toxic Player of the Week. Uh, obviously Toxic Player of the Month too. This was on a game of Overpass that I played. I was solo queuing. Uh, and the Toxic Player of the Week goes to a player called, funnily enough, Dick Head. Two words, Dick Head. Uh, and he was playing with his two buddies. One was 419 Inject Spinach, and the other one was called Quake Pro. Now, me and this other player, Buzz, uh, we were both soloing here. Actually, we were playing to win, you know, playing for the whole reason that you play. Uh, and any time this guy, Buzz, was sort of left on his own to clutch, which was often because he was actually A long, and the other team rushed B quite a few times, this guy, Dickhead, would come on the mic and tell Buzz to just uninstall and kill himself. He would say, Buzz, you're shit at Counter-Strike and, I'm quoting here, a literal piece of shit. That's what he'd call Buzz, a literal piece of shit. And this is despite the fact that Buzz was making call-outs on the mics quite frequently. In other words, Dickhead believes that poos can talk. Uh, Dickhead believes in talking poos. So if you're out there, Quake Pro and or 419 Inject Spinach, be a good friend. Get Dickhead some help. You know, there's often some telltale signs of psychosis. Marijuana use is one of them. Being withdrawn and anxious is another. Still another is living with your parents or partner and being put into a double bind. Now, if you haven't heard of the term double bind, here's a bit of psychology 101 for you. A double bind is when you are given two things to do at once that are both incompatible. So if your mum says, you must love me, but she's being an asshole. You can't do that, those two things at once because love is spontaneous and it cannot be ordered. And so your personality splits into two so you can do those two things at once and uh, sort of remain, you know, pleasing both your mum and pleasing both reality. Then a dickhead might be living with a partner who says, just be yourself, but then complains when he plays video games. But dickhead is in love with this woman. In fact, he's married to her. So he starts to split personalities. So... One of his personalities can be the person he, you know, he enjoys playing video games as and the other one is the one who's with his wife and who loves his wife and who does what she says, and what she wants. Now the issue is once Dickhead started fragmenting, things got a little weird and the next thing 
he knew he was imagining talking poos. So that's a toxic player of the week and it's a tragic story to be sure. Although, to be honest, Dickhead was so upfront uh, in his own description of himself, I can't really complain, can I? I mean, it's not like it's false advertising. So now there's a couple of little things that I wanted to mention before I go. Um, Last night I happened to catch the India ESL Premiership 2017 fall season finale. I've posted a picture of the crowd that was watching this finale on my Twitter. Go and check it out. The Truth CSGO. Um, and this was a final between Entity versus Too Easy. Obviously, I've never heard of these teams. Uh, the opera on, uh, on on Entity was called Hunter. The Casas was saying he's basically the best player in uh, in CSGO in India. And I did a little Google about this guy, and he's actually a professional snooker player as well. Now, it's hard for me to tell whether this is because Hunter is a prodigy of all things game-related, or there's just not not many people in India who are playing CSGO. But apparently, 0.01 of the population of Indians play CSGO. No, 0.1. 0.01, yeah. So that's still... Wait, is that right? Yeah. No, that can't be right. 0.1? Well, 0.1 is 100,000, right? And 0.1 is 1 million. Even 100,000 players is a fair amount. I think there's probably far less than that in Australia playing CSGO, and we're fielding teams that are okay. I mean, you've heard of them, right? You've heard of Chiefs, maybe? You've heard of Renegades. Uh, sure, there's some NA players in there, but whatever. But where are the Indian players? That's what I'm asking. Uh, these guys actually seem quite good. Is it just that there isn't money in the sport yet? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for some Indian teams in the future. Uh, I haven't even looked whether they're actually in the running for any of the minor qualifiers, but I guess I should do that straight after this podcast. Now, coming up, we've got DreamHack Denver in five days, Epicenter in eight, and the CIS Minor in 11. Um, I had a little bit of other news, but nothing really huge. Um, so I think I'm going to end this here. Get in touch, the Truth CSGO Podcast at gmail.com or Twitter at Truth CSGO Podcast. Now, one other thing you can do if you're a fan or you're enjoying the content, leave a review for me on iTunes. That would be lovely. I think it makes a difference, to be honest. Um, I'm not asking for any money. I'm not advertising any shitty fucking gambling sites. Fuck off, all of you, with your stupid CSGO skins ads. Seriously, this is the organic podcast. This is a farm to table. There's none of this uh, gambling bullshit here. None of this um, chummy Betway sort of uh, relationships. This is pure, um, how do you say it, ethically sustained CSGO podcasting. So if you're into it, support me on um, iTunes. Leave a review. Thanks very much. See you next time. <laughs>